0: Hey there, my name is Dan Pontifract I'm an author and a leadership strategist. And these are my thoughts on becoming a love-based leader. I'm deep into a book right now by noted conflict resolution specialist and worldly leader in all sorts of funky crazy situations, Adam Kahane. The book is called Power and Love, A Theory and Practice of Social Change. And Adam is also the author of another book that I've read before called Solving Tough Problems. Now, in Power and Love, notwithstanding the fact that I'm in the midst of researching and reading and learning all about love, its connotation, and its impact, or no impact, in the business world, I came across a passage in his book that attributes to Bill O'Brien, who was the president of Hanover Insurance Company for about 12 years. And he had been doing some work uh, that had inspired Peter Senge of MIT, and it was found His work was found in The Fifth Discipline, a famous book by Senge. And Senge said this about Bill. He said, there is no business person from whom I have learned more. I thought, wow, that's uh, from Senge, that's a lot. But what Kahane brought to his book Power and Love was Bill O'Brien's management philosophy. And I'll quote from Kahane's book, which will lead us into the path of today's podcast. In our Western world, the word love has deep connotations we do not normally associate with business. Romance, for example, or that special feeling among family members or close friends. But I am not talking about these kinds of relationships. By love, I mean a predisposition toward helping another person to become complete. To develop to their full potential. Love is not something that suddenly strikes us. It is an act of the will. By an act of the will, I mean... That you do not have to like someone to love him or her. Love is an intentional disposition toward another person. Intentional disposition toward another person. Hmm. That really got me thinking. And then... Two nights later, I'm just checking in on, you know, one of the sports networks and figuring out if my Maple Leafs had won and if Man United was continuing to dig itself out of its hole in the Premier League. And I came across a clip from the National Basketball Association, the NBA. And there were two teams playing in Los Angeles. The LA Clippers, the sort of lesser known basketball team in LA, and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, with nine seconds to go and the game out of reach, the Clippers were handily beating the Mavs. The coach of the LA Clippers went to the scores table and he grabbed the microphone. Now, he called timeout first. So, he's got the microphone. And he's calling out a name. Dirk. Dirk. Nowitzki, Dirk. And then he keeps saying, let's go. And he's frantically waving his arms in the air from, you know, his his knees to his shoulder. Like, come on. Come on, crowd. Let's go. Let's go. Dirk. Dirk. Now, This Dirk, if you're not a basketball fan, Dirk Nowitzki is the 40-year-old basketball player of the Dallas Mavericks, a 14-time All-Star NBA champion who announced his retirement at the end of the season. And at this game in L.A. against the Clippers would be his last game in L.A., And so the opposing coach of the Dallas Mavericks, Doc Rivers, decides to stop the game and get the home crowd, which is clearly L.A., it's not the Dallas Mavs, to stand up and give this very celebrated All-Star a standing O. Is that not intentional disposition toward another person? I mean, it's uncanny. That's love. That's love in a business setting. Yes, it's a sport. I get it. Yes, it's basketball. Yes, it's, quote, entertainment. But it's also a business, isn't it? And in this case, the coach, Doc Rivers, of the L.A. Clippers, sort of got up out of the trench looked across no man's land, saw the opponent, had some empathy, some compassion, humility, caring, kindness, genuine leadership, and arguably love. Now let's look at another sporting example. In 1967, Catherine Switzer entered the Boston Marathon, not as Catherine Switzer, but K.C. Switzer. Why K.C.? Well, if you can believe it, women weren't allowed to run the Boston Marathon in 1967. In fact, it wasn't until five years later that they were allowed to run officially in the Boston Marathon. So, Catherine, or K.C., is about six or seven miles into the race, and... The race official, the race organizer, the head honcho, Jock Semple, tries to tackle Catherine to the ground because he had figured out that Casey was a female and not a male. And he went apoplectic. But then, love showed up. And Thomas Miller, her boyfriend at the time, so true love, but also a bunch of other men protected Catherine with this sort of ring around her so she could finish the race. Again, that's a demonstration not just of love, but of an intentional disposition toward another person. When New Zealand's Nikki Hamblin was running in the Rio 2016 Olympics in the 5,000 meters, she was up against Abby D'Agostino from the US. But they tripped and the two collided and they both fell to the floor. Now, D'Agostino got up kind of quickly, but instead of chasing down the field, she stayed there, right there, on the track to help the New Zealander up. So, D'Agostino helped Hamblin up. But then she realized that, that's D'Agostino, that she was quite hurt. But, Hamblin said, I'm going to help you. And she helped her up, and D'Agostino, you know, with a ruptured anterior cruciate ligament... You know, finished the race, but Hamlin was there waiting for her at the finish line. Saying, Hey, I feel you, I get it. Gosh, I'm I'm so sorry. And then perhaps the the final and the fourth of my sort of sports analogies here with respect to one's intentional Disposition toward another person as kind of one definition of love comes from another Olympics, this one in 1936, held in Berlin. And in that particular Olympics, of course, you know, in Germany, it was in Berlin and, you know, the Nazi movement was not quite in full flight, but in flight. And Hitler was around the Olympic Stadium in Berlin for many of the events. And on this particular day, it was the long jump. And in the long jump were two competitors of note that we'll discuss. Uh, Karl Luz Long, known as Luz, and Jesse Owens. The famous Jesse Owens. A lot of people don't don't know about Carl Luz Long, but here's the story. During that particular day, it was August 4th, in fact, and Luz had qualified already to sort of go into the next round. But Jesse Owens actually had fouled on his first two jumps. Meaning, if he fouled on his third jump, he'd be out. And the chance for multiple gold medals would not have materialized. So, in order to advance to the finals during the afternoon, Owens needed to reach at least 7.15 meters on that third jump. And because he had kept fouling out in the first two, he actually sat in the middle of the stadium grass on the field. And he was dejected. He's like, I'm going to foul out again. I'm going to foul out again. I'm not going to make it. But here's where intentional disposition towards someone else, to a person, plays out again in our fourth sporting metaphor here. And so with, with Owen sitting there in the field, forlorn, you know, dejected, not thinking he's ever going to make it, Luz, or Long, came over to him. And he knew that Owens easily, easily could make the 7.15 meters required to advance to, you know, the afternoon final. And so, despite the fact that Hitler's looking in, despite the fact that Long is really supposed to be trying to win. And so, you know, he should be almost encouraging Owens to foul out. He went over and he said, look, here's a tactic you might want to employ. Instead of, you know, going all the way to where the takeoff board is, why don't you jump several inches before? Because you'll make that 7.15 meter with ease. Like, do it. And Owens was like, well, that's a pretty good idea. I hadn't thought of that. And so on that third jump, due to the coaching, the empathy, the kindness of Long, the German, Owens easily qualified. He had like four inches to spare from that board. And then somewhat famously... He went on to win the gold medal in the long jump. And he did so with a jump of 8.06 meters. And he had actually beat Long's record that he had set of 7.87 meters. And Long went on to win the silver. Who was the first to congratulate Owens on his gold medal win? It was long. There's actually photos of those two walking arm-in-arm arm in the, into the dressing room. Some years later, this is what Jesse Owens said. It took a lot of courage for him to befriend me in front of Hitler. You can melt down all the medals and cups I have and they wouldn't be plating on the 24 karat friendship that I felt for less long at that moment. Intentional disposition towards someone else. This is not news. It's that, again, sometimes we forget. And each of these four sporting moments can help us see in the business world, in the public sector world, where we work today that we need only think about someone else's plight in order for us to be better as a leader, as a person. A love-based leader is someone who's like Luz Long. A love-based leader is someone who is like Abby D'Agostino. A love-based leader is like Thomas Miller helping Casey Switzer and the other men. And a love-based leader is the Doc Rivers of this world who look out for someone else on the other side and say, Hey, I got your back. I love you. Thanks for listening to me, Dan Pontifrac more about me and what i do for a living at www.danpontifrac.com that's www.d a n p o n t e f r a